Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Blizzard Comedy Chat. Uh, this is a new series I'm starting uh, in order to coincide with our YouTube series Blizzard Comedy Archives um, in order to take a deep dive uh, into some of the acts we've had uh, previously on the show about the, their, their process, their, their writing, their journey uh, and indeed just what makes them tick essentially. Um, so if you've not seen the YouTube series I highly recommend you uh, go and watch that first to give you a bit of context for this. Essentially we uh, pick five comedians that we've had on, on the show before we uh, showcase some of their stand-up clips from doing Blizzard Comedy, as well as uh, a few uh, short interview clips with them that kind of uh, take you a bit into the background of the act and the certain bits of routines that they're doing. It's a really nice, uh, nice show. I've had really positive feedback on it. Uh, so I thought what I'd do is, um, because the interview clips I used are very small fractions of much longer conversations that we had, so I thought I'd give uh, our patrons the option to uh, choose which uh, interviews they'd like to hear in full. Uh, now, I will probably end up being uploading all of these at some point, but I thought I'd give patrons some sort of uh, some sort of uh, direction in wh which ones I'm going to upload before others, so which ones they're really keen to hear. And uh, the winner of uh, this patron poll was Umby Winters, because of course it fucking was. It was it was the by far the longest chat of these five, and therefore the most difficult to edit. So thanks for that, you pricks. Um, but uh, no, I'm really excited about this. One. Actually, this was this was possibly one of my favourite conversations to have, even though they're all fantastic in their, in their in their in their different ways. But this one in particular, one thing I've enjoyed about doing these chats is I've realised just how much I've got in common with uh, a lot of these people and this one was no exception uh, umby winters if you don't know them they are absolutely fantastic uh, they are i would be very surprised if they uh, don't end up at some point in the future being the face of non-binary in comedy and i am more than okay with that they are a fantastic representation of it and they are an all-around fantastic comedian and um, yet yeah, they really deserve your love and respect so if you've not uh, heard of them please do check them out um, and indeed check them out on our channel where there is uh, quite a bit of footage of them so yes please do that yeah this is a, a chat I had with Umby Winters uh, we talk about quite a few different things about uh, Umby Winters sort of journey their uh, discovery of, 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 of their gender and sexuality uh, and as well as how annoying it is to our partners uh, when we're trying to write stuff uh, so um, yeah this is uh, I really enjoyed having this chat I hope you enjoy listening to it uh, without further ado let's get stuck in hello, hello. can you hear me alright yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. How, how's it going? Going all right. Yeah. Been doing some gardening today. Oh, exciting. Uh, Very exciting. Yeah, it's a good, good time of year for it, apart from you know, everything being... Well, that would you know, argue that it's the best time for it, because it's not like I've got much else to do. That is very true, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's your own garden, and you're not, you're not, you're not breaking quarantine. But it's just <laughs> yeah. Like, break into your neighbour's garden. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. It is my it is my own garden. Ah, fantastic! Uh, you, you, you live in a house then, not a flat. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's rented, obviously, oh, but yeah. uh, it's 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 you know easier when you split it between two people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just just you and Brendan then. And the dog. Well, yeah, but I'm assuming the dog doesn't contribute to the gardening that much. Uh, other than shitting in it, no, not really. Uh, it's 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 fertilizer. It is, yeah, exactly. So I'm um, yeah, going to start off with a fairly simple question. When did you first discover stand-up? Now, not necessarily as a performer yourself, but just as something that you enjoy. Stand-up, I'm not entirely certain. Yeah. Uh, comedy, comedy, like, in general, like, I always say my, my very first, like, actual memory that I have is, uh, uh, like, staying up. Um, well, like, you know, I was, like, too young, and, and so I was just, I didn't... I just slept whenever I wanted to sleep, and I cried, and I woke up, and I must have kept my dad up late one night because uh, he just sort of lay on the floor, put me on his back, and we watched uh, the smell of Reeves and Mortimer. Ah. And that was like my 
my first uh, my first actual solid memory is just watching these two absolute just daft yeah. idiots that, do their daft idiot thing. That does sound very unfair uh, for you. And and just that was that was like just that was it. That was like my first memory was was laughing with my dad at something that other people were laughing at. And I've, I've always said I've just I've never known a time where I didn't want to do that. Okay. Where I didn't want to make people laugh. I, I, there, there was no revelation to me of, oh, I will do it through this medium of yeah. stand-up, or I will do it through... Just, I've always just wanted to make people laugh, um, and stand-up is just the most direct way of doing that. Okay, so, yeah. So is that, like, did you attempt to do, like, sketches or other, or, like, another form of comedy before we went south? Did you go straight into stand-up? No, stand-up uh, was what I wanted to do, like, okay, yeah. uh, the, was, was the most. Like, it was what I dedicated uh, a lot of just my free time to. Like, uh, growing up when I wasn't playing a video game, I was watching stand-up on, on TV or, or oftentimes had stand-up on in the background while playing a video game. Um, uh, just, I was always listening and, and re-listening to the same sort of uh, comedians and specials. You know, grew up on Lee Evans, Eddie Izzard, and then uh, whoever was was hot and on live at the Apollo at the time. I find it interesting. Every, every, every I, this is like the fifth interview I've done now, and every single person has mentioned Lee Evans. It's just quite quite really interesting. But I suppose I mean, He's, yeah, he was like he was. It was massive. Uh, yeah, he was. He, he was he was stand up in in the late nineties, oh, early two thousands. Absolutely, like, yeah. Like obviously, you know, you've got uh, other giants like Billy Connolly and Ken yeah, Dodd, yeah. but just those. Like there was something about Lee Evans. I think it was just how how amazingly working class he was that yeah. just made him like the heart of of I think British comedy uh, growing oh, up. Oh, absolutely. Because like yeah, Eddie, yeah. Is, Eddie is thought for like he is working class. Yeah. And um, he does sort of. Uh, he's, he's got he more of, sort of a, yeah, a, more of a, a, a bit more air. Uh, he's, he's a bit too, an air of pretension. Yeah, about him. <laughs> Uh, a bit, a bit too well spoken, I think. Yeah. Uh, I get, I didn't even get into him until like my my uh, teen years. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, but like, and, and obviously there's just other sorts of uh, forms of comedy from comedians who had branched out. So like, uh, loved Harry Hill's stand up, but loved oh. uh, Harry Hill's TV birth. Harry, Harry uh, Hill's stand up is criminally underrated in my opinion. Like, what? Well, yeah. You, you actually, you know, you know who I think was was the first comedian I like properly, truly sort of, I guess. In, in modern day, we call it stanning. Yeah. Uh, but like the first comedian that I, I, I truly followed, like his was the first DVD I bought, and like well, you don't wear down DVDs, but if you could, I would have worn down this yeah, DVD. Yeah. Was uh, was Joe Pasquale? Oh right, okay, uh, that's a new one. I know, I, I, I adored him. Yeah. I genuinely, uh, I, and uh, like I know he, he like gets a, a bit of flack. Uh, but um, I, I just, I absolutely adored him. You know, I was a kid, and it was very, very much uh, my demographic. I think he was shooting for yeah. a couple of risque jokes here and there, but nothing too explicit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when he when he came to Newcastle, my parents had no qualms of taking me to see him. I don't think that was the first comedian I saw live, yeah. but it was like the earliest I remember, like just thoroughly enjoying it. Okay. And yeah, like, yeah. yeah, just just absolutely loving it. Oh, that's a really interesting one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have, have thought that, but I'll be honest, I don't know much about Joe Pasquale. Like I've heard of him, I know who who he is, but I've, I'm not familiar with his content at all. That's 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 really interesting. Uh, a lot of a lot of prop comedy, a lot of one-liners, a yeah. lot of sort of like cru- cruise cruise ship jokes. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, it has it hasn't dated particularly well, uh, but I feel like if I watched the old DVDs, I could probably still find enjoyment in them. So, um, in terms of your own performance, then, so you you, you always 
so you always wanted to do to do stand up. When did you actually kind of do your first what what you would classify as a gig? Uh, I was seventeen. Yeah. Uh, and it was at Long Live Comedy in Newcastle above the Dog and Parrot. Uh, I think the Dog and Parrot is called something else now, but it, uh, the Long Live Comedy, I believe, is still there. Okay, yeah. It was a night that was set up by uh, a bunch of Newcastle comedians, uh, including, I, I believe, Sarah Milliken. Uh, oh, right. Okay. I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not 100% sure. But it is, like, where, um, like, I think Chris Ramsey did his second gig there. Uh, oh, right. It's got a history then, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, Ross Noble did a few gigs there yeah. while he was, you know, he was uh, doing well for himself uh, by the time the club started. But I think if, if I, because uh, I, I took a workshop uh, when I was around about 17 before I went off to university. Yeah. And uh, that was run by a local comedian, John Scott, okay. who uh, uh, also founded that night along with Sarah Millican and, and yeah, a yeah. few others. So I was just, uh, I would take sort of time and just sort of ask you for his old sort of, you have been around the circuit for all of a decade. Uh, <laughs> tell me your tell me your stories. Yeah. And and I was just like so uh, enamoured with just the, the rich history of uh, Newcastle comedy. But uh, when you don't drive and you don't have the money for travel uh, as a poor college student, yeah. uh, there wasn't a lot of options for gigging. There also uh, there wasn't a lot of gigs about this was before the stand opened their newcastle branch yeah um there was only a few uh, long live comedy excluded there were only a few open mics around uh newcastle gates in the surrounding area one was like the, the university's comedy society would put something on um but like the open mic scene in newcastle was nothing compared to what it is in manchester uh, even even today, you know, I, I from what I understand, the, the gig scene in Newcastle isn't really anything compared to uh, the rest of the country, uh, or, or at least not to, to Manchester. Obviously, it, now that the stand's there, it's better, but the stand's got such a long waiting list that for open micers, it's still pretty hard. It's it, 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 um, stand, I wonder, like, only books, like, 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 like there's one month a year where it does bookings, and then that's the book Yeah, so there's two yeah, months, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, April and October, April, however, yeah, yeah. because... Uh, when I I still live there uh, when it first opened, so I was actually really lucky that I got to do Red Raw like every month oh, or so fantastic. before I left left for uni. Uh, I did my worst gig ever there. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, to a crowded room of about two hundred people, and I, I didn't like. I was like, uh, yeah, I was like, I was like second on, uh, and I had friends on later in the show, but I bombed so hard I apologised as I left the stage, oh, no. grabbed my coat from the green room, and just left. Oh no. <laughs> How, yeah. how 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 like how long were you into your sort of comedy career then? Was that was that quite still quite early on? Or yeah, that was easily like the first thirty or forty because um, it, it it was it was before I'd left for uni. So I, I, I honestly it might have even been like the first twenty or so. Um, I was not ready to do ten minutes, <laughs> and I don't know why the stand let me do ten minutes. <laughs> I guess they were they were still hungry for com for comedians at that point, and I was. Young, eager, fresh blood. <laughs> uh, I didn't have a I didn't have a couple good jokes that they'd seen from me do before my five minute spot. So uh, maybe they thought I was going to do that, but then I didn't, and I did ten <laughs> minutes of new material and bombed horribly. <laughs> so you do, you, you do ten minutes so of completely new material. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then never did it again. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I was I was. Uh, 
18, just turned, and uh, was an absolute bloody idiot. Uh, <laughs> knew nothing of comedy or people or yeah. how to act in society, and and so like now that's this is what I say is I started doing comedy uh, when I was in college before I went off to uni, but then I went to university and I I, I put comedy on the back burner so that I could learn how to be a person. <laughs> um, I did some comedy at uni. I was even the president of my comedy society oh. in the third year that, that I was there. We didn't achieve much because there was only like six of us uh, <laughs> and we had no, we had no funding. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, I did some gigs in Portsmouth, but I mainly just learned how to be a person while I was at university. I developed social skills. I yeah. developed, like, critical thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was such a... Oh, man, I know that, like, everyone was a shit in their teenagers, <laughs> but I was, I was not a shit because I was, like edgy and mean or whatever. I was just a shit because I was so clueless. <laughs> and like, I would just like, I would just like, uh, hurt people accidentally. Uh, like, not physically, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like emotionally. Like, God, you know, talk to any of my exes from before I went to uni and, and even something like the first year of uni and they'll all be like, oh, I'm being a very well-meaning, completely dunce who <laughs> broke my heart through no, 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 no true malicious intent, but definitely still happened. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a shame. So oh, uh, now I'm better. Yeah. Now I'm better at doing comedy again because I've learned how to be a human. Fantastic. Because I, I, I also started in my teen. I think I was 16 when I did, did my first gig. And I, I think you get a bit more leeway when you get into it so young because people kind of expect you to be a bit shit. So I'm quite glad that I kind of did that, did the first few gigs in, in my teenage years. I don't, I, I don't yeah, know if that's I... something you'll agree with, but I feel like I got... I got past the being completely clueless and shit stage while people were still expecting me to be completely clueless and shit, whereas I think if you go into it a bit older, you don't get quite as much leeway uh, with that as you would do in a Well, this is the thing is, like, as much as I, like, am glad I learned how to be a person, I'm so mad that I did put comedy on, on such a low-priority sort of simmer mm. for as long as I did, because, like, you get people like, uh, like Sam Serrano, yeah. who is 20 who is absolutely killing it, but audiences will probably give him the benefit of the doubt, not that, he, sorry, not that they need yeah, it, yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, like, you know, an audience sees a 18, 19, 20-year-old get up on stage, yeah. especially one as quiet as Sam is, yeah. and then, you know, they're, they're like, oh, okay, this person is playing really comedy, yeah. and maybe we should give them a bit, a bit more support. Yeah. Then Sam comes out with like, these just, just golden, like, diamond jokes, yeah. and, like, that works to their advantage, I think, and I'm just so annoyed that I could have taken that, those years, like, like three years of uni, plus really two years afterwards, it, yeah. when, I, when I still lived in Portsmouth, where, like, I could have, I, I always think I started, uh, it'll be nine years ago next month, with my first gig. Okay, yeah. If I had continued on at the pace that I was doing before, you know, this, uh, outbreak happened. Yeah. I was continuing on, continuing on with that pace. I would be so far ahead. I'd probably be like, I'd probably be doing it professionally by now. Yeah. Um, might might have even like gotten a TV spot here or there if I'd like stuck with it. But uh, instead, I am, I am still doing the open spot yeah. because I I went on hiatus for too long. But of course, yeah. then the counterbalance to that is that, like, I really enjoyed my time at uni. I yeah. developed in incredibly as a person. I developed yeah. passions and interests. Which is important, and, yeah. And, yeah, you know, I met uh, I met the, the love of my life and and uh, and all yeah. this stuff. Uh, and, that was like, better than, 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 than any open and, sport you could ever do. And had a really good time. And, like, again, it's not like I really had too much of a choice. I went to university in Portsmouth. Yeah, I, I, I've uh, not heard much about which, the fiving scene there. <laughs> um... 
it is getting better. Yeah. Uh, uh, mainly because of um, a, a small group of comedians who are uh, launching, uh, oh, sorry, who have launched uh, yeah. an actual professional night uh, in, uh, it's either Portsmouth or one of the surrounding towns. Yeah, yeah. I'm not certain off the top Commutable. of my head. Commutable, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, when I was there, when I was uh, post-uni, uh, but still before I left Portsmouth, um, there was about two dozen, if that, uh, comedians in the Portsmouth sort of uh, city and surrounding area, uh, and every single one of them, bar a couple, had like their own gig. So you would just go and do the same like two dozen yeah, open yeah. spots, uh, which actually, you know, that's generous. You do the same like dozen open spots. Yeah. You do a couple of competitions, like the South Coast Comedian Competition. Yeah. Like if you were if you were lucky, uh, or if you not lucky, I guess if you if you like grifted hard enough, then you could get a, a car share up to Brighton and do a gig in Brighton. Yeah. And obviously, like, London isn't that far no. from Portsmouth, but when you're doing open spots, it's too far. Yeah. Especially when you don't drive, as I didn't at the time. That's, but yeah, the London Circus is an interesting one as well, because there's so many gigs there, but it's, there's a very... Like, in Manchester, I feel like there's a defined progression from sort of doing open spots and doing open spots in, like, pro gigs to getting, like, more paid work off, off, off of those pro gigs, whereas in London there's open mics and there's pro gigs and there's not really many middle grounds in between, uh, which means a lot of brilliant London open mic circuits kind of get stuck doing the same gigs. Um, yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's definitely how I yeah. how I look at it. Like in, in Portsmouth right now, despite the fact that it is evolving, like I think it is it is literally just like a bunch of open mics and then I think two pro nights. One that, like I said, the small group are running uh, that I um, uh, boutique boutique comedy club, okay, yeah. um, uh, and then like the the Spinnaker Tower does like a monthly uh, night where I saw I saw Joe Lysett there, oh, which was really nice. Fantastic. Uh, 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 which was amazing. It was just twenty minutes of him just wine drunk, not doing any material, just uh, just chatting shit with the audience. It was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so, like, there's, there's, those are the only two nights where I think you're, like, liking to get paid for. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it, it's, it's getting better. I think in every city, you know... Oh, everywhere's developing, yeah, in terms of... We, we, we talk about, you know, the, the comedy sort of boom of the uh, early noughties, mid noughties, yeah. back when Live at the Apollo, those yeah. peak, and all the panel shows were at their peak, and you know the sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, Lee Mack, Mike, Michael McIntyre era. Um, I think uh, while that sort of uh, rock and roll era isn't uh, coming back anytime soon, I think we are coming out of a bit of a dip, where uh, people sort of, I think, maybe got like stand-up exhaustion. I'm not sure, like maybe you know, there was just there was, there was a lot of it. Definitely an overexposure um, to it. Yeah, particularly a lot in like the late late 2000s, uh, early 2010s. Now, yeah. Now with the world the way it is, people just want to laugh again. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I think I think we are seeing a bit of a boom. I think we're seeing towns and cities develop uh, mm. uh, develop a scene more. Like maybe yeah. I think maybe out of desperation for comedians outside of London to not want to have to move to London yeah. uh, they're looking to make their own town or city you know a viable comedy hotspot comedy yeah hotspot. yeah yeah uh, and that's certainly my motivation for wanting to make the Manchester uh, scene as, as thriving yeah. as possible is because I don't want to move to London okay. <laughs> um, so yeah I think I think places that want to get a more uh, intrepid comedy scene up and running are certainly going to have that mm. success absolutely uh, you yeah. just have to put the work in for it i'm quite, quite interested in um sort of how because you've you've obviously you, you say you've been doing comedy for nearly nine years how 
has your sort of style and approach to that changed over that time, if, if, if at all? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I never really sort of... I had a long time where I couldn't classify myself as a comedian. Not because I saw myself as beyond any boundaries or <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh, just because I, don't, I, I didn't know, like, what I was doing. Uh, yeah. And as much as I, like, watched stand-up a lot and, you know, I could say I was a, a student of the game or yeah. a student of... Uh, which I don't. Uh, and please don't quote me on that. Um, just going to use that uh, little clip with nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, like, I did study comedy. Like, uh, I, I would watch, uh, you know, specials that I had watched dozens of times before and sort of make note of the, the yeah. rhythm of the jokes and, and the space between, because that was what I had heard was what you were supposed to do. Was you, it, was, it was this, like, analytical process yeah. where you, you, like, spent, you spent, you know... Uh, years honing five minutes and then you had this perfect five minutes down to the syllable and down to the yeah. millisecond of pausing and breathing and, and then you're doing and, Wembley or... <laughs> yeah uh, and, it, and, it, and it isn't uh, no. it, it, uh, that was like sort of a big lesson for me to get over and I think I'm still not entirely over it as like if you see me do comedy in like the last instance I've been doing stuff here in, in Manchester like um, it is <laughs> like the I'd say about 60% of the jokes I tell at any given open mic, uh, or at least any given night, are like the, the same punchlines that I uh, did my first night of comedy here in Manchester, which was all new material. Uh, mainly because I, like, I really like, had some fucking hot shit from the get-go. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, also just because like, I'm still like, no, it's not perfect yet. This five minutes isn't perfect yet. Uh, and I need to I need to learn to love the imperfections of it because the audiences don't give a shit <laughs> like a, a, a syllable's out of place or whatever. Um, but I've also found it difficult because like I I don't want I didn't want it to just be like reading from a script and I, I have found that uh, certain gigs where I, I like I didn't really feel up to it on the day but it, you know I didn't want to cancel last minute so I'd go and do it and I just do the this the five or ten or however long I was booked for uh, I do the set just as I had it memorized and I, it was just, I would just, I'd do it automatically. I didn't, I didn't like that. Like, even if it wasn't word for word, uh, it was still like, it's like I was thinking about, you know, what I was going to have for dinner while I was up there doing it. And I'm, I'm quite pleased that I've, I'm quite pleased that I've got to the stage now where I can like have that absence of fear. Uh, like not obviously every, not every time I get up on stage, I'm not afraid. Like I'm still afraid quite a lot of the times so or at least nervous. But it's nice to know that I've progressed now to the point where I don't need to be afraid as I'm on stage. Um, as for the actual style itself, uh, I only recently sort of said to myself, Ombi, you are a, uh, an anecdotal comedian, you're a storytelling comedian. Uh, you make some observations about life outside the gender binary or the yeah, sexuality yeah. or blah, 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 blah. Uh, but you do it in the form of telling anecdotes, telling stories, even if it's just something as simple as something your mum said to you, uh, or even if you don't phrase it like that, just like you phrase it as, uh, uh, you should have heard how my mum reacted to me being a teetotal, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, like every, or, or I guess the majority of my jokes and punchlines, I guess, come from uh, me telling stories or telling around stories. Yeah. Um, and I have a couple of exceptions to that, but I think that's that's where I found my niche. And I kind of like that because, like the the other thing that I've always wanted to do in my life, other than make people laugh, was tell stories. Yeah. Like those are the two things I want to do: is make people laugh and yeah. tell stories. And I don't really care 
what else I do as long as I get to do those two things. Yeah. So it, it just made sense, I guess, to be in. And also, I'm really, if you've known me in real life for more than five minutes, you'll know I'm really oblivious. So observational comedy <laughs> was out from the get-go. Because I don't, notice, I don't notice things at all unless they directly happen to me and explicitly. Yeah. So I can't be an observational comedian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't take enough. I don't venture outside my own head enough to, to really take in anything around me. Yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel that really strongly. I, there's, there's a little bit of a dose of absurdism in there as well, but I think that's just because I sort of see my own existence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought, also, no, I don't see it as that. I recognise that the, the average sort of uh, white middle-class uh, British yes. uh, audience member or, you know, working-class audience member in some cases, yeah. uh, will look at me and think I'm absurd. And so if I play into that, I feel like I'm more likely than the mother. Another thing I wanted to ask is, um, so you started performing quite young. I want to sort of raise back to your non-binary identity. Now, was that a thing that you were kind of aware of and open about when you started comedy, or was that something that sort of came in later? And if so, did that sort of change the way you approached writing material or like the, the how you drew out the anecdotes to talk about or what kind of focus point? So... When I was in college, I actually, uh, around the time I started doing comedy, I actually thought I was gay. I yeah. thought I was just a gay man. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, but I didn't know enough uh, about it, and I certainly didn't have enough experience yeah. with, with it to sort of make quips about it. And I also just saw that I had like this big move to university. Like, that was the thing that preoccupied my mind, not my sexuality. Yeah. I was finishing college, I had projects to finish there, and then I was preparing to move off to university. So that was what my jokes focused around, uh, was like the anticipation of moving, the, the like, relationship with my family, that kind of thing. Which makes it sound all very more serious than it was. It was all daft and barely yeah. funny. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> it was stuff that was going on in your life at the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I write what I know, yeah. you know? Uh, which is why like, I write so many gender and sexuality yeah. jokes now, because that is basically just my personality. <laughs> and, oh God, I've got a baby. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> um, and I find that jokes about video games don't like appeal to a uh, wide audience, despite the fact that the video game industry is very, very lucrative. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I guess just people who enjoy video games don't go to comedy nights because <laughs> they're at home playing video games. Yeah, yeah, very valid. Um, so I write about stuff that people can at least, if not relate to, then uh, I can explain easier than I, I can explain how like Fortnite works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, no, I didn't write about gender and sexuality and stuff. Um, I was actually, when I first started comedy, I was still a virgin, so I wrote jokes about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and the, the, the quest, I guess, to lose it. Yeah. Um, I definitely started but, off like that uh, as well, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I also realised quite early on that, that every comedian was doing jokes about sex. Yes. And if I could help it, I didn't want to just add to that pile. Yeah. Sexuality uh, is, is fine uh, because that's... It's interesting, and I think yeah. you can learn from it, but jokes about sex, unless they're, like, anecdotal, like, my jokes are anecdotal, yeah. so I, I I will occasionally tell a blue joke if an audience is up for it. I have a couple written, uh, and I will occasionally uh, tell a, a more sort of off-color joke uh, if, like, I think they want it, and also if, like, I just feel like uh, it's not just going to be lumped in as another comedian doing another yeah. joke. Oh, no, oh, oh, oh. On that note, I really enjoyed. I think it's the second time you did Blizzard when um, you told the story about about uh, how you lost your virginity. That's one of my favourite bits. Story about how I lost my virginity. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Hi, Virginity. It was to a friend with a benefit. Uh, we, 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 uh, we were friends with benefits for a couple of months. She knew I was 19. Uh, she knew that I had not had sex yet, and I was really wanting to, but I'd been saving it for a while to find the perfect person, and I got to 19 and went, fuck it. Just went rid of the thing. I failed. Um, uh, just can't count again. And, uh, and so finally we get down to it, we're doing it, we're having sex, and it's great, and it's all, it's a good time. And finally she, 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 we're in the act and she starts saying my name. But not in a sexy way, in a way of like trying to get my attention. <laughs> not a way that you want someone to, you know, it's just like, oh, I'm it. it's just like, Ombi, Ombi, Ombi. And finally, you know, I step out of my euphoria to just be like, yes, what is it? And she looks at me, dead in the eyes, smiling, she's happy, and she says, and this is 100% true, you're having sex, Ombi. And I went in perfect unison with my body, and I've just finished. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually one of the few jokes uh, I will occasionally tell today that I told back in university. Oh, was that a really early one, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, well, obviously it wasn't before my first start because uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of I lost it then. But that is that is like one of the first instances I had of taking a real life thing that happened to me and through very little actual um, tweaking or altering of the facts, transferring it into stand up. Like stuff I did in college, I was telling stories that just straight up didn't happen. Yeah, uh, I was just writing fictional scenarios that didn't happen. But I was still, uh, and I realised this only recently, like I was still telling them in a storytelling format. Mm. I was still doing anecdotes that just weren't true. Yeah. But the, the virginity story was the first time of, of actively taking something that had really happened to me and making it a, a style of routine. And I didn't actually, like everything that I say in it is true. Like I, there's, no, there's not even an exaggeration in it. That is basically play for play how it happened. Yeah. Um, uh, but I have a couple of other stories from that time where uh, I, I have one other story that I've not yet brought because I'm trying to find a way to tell it without it being ableist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a, a, uh, another sound I'm going to take out of context. It's going to completely ruin your career. <laughs> no, uh, but like, if I can, if I can figure it out, yeah. it always kills back before I, you know, got woke. Yeah. Uh, so if I can, <laughs> if I can, if I can learn how to tell it without being a, a, a douche about it, then it, uh, it would kill. Fantastic. So is it um, is it important to you? Uh, you mentioned about about anecdotes because I'm I'm not someone who writes anecdotes at all because I I very rarely have things happen to me that I think are just funny the way they happened and I will always it, the few times I do tell stories I will always embellish bits about them which I don't think is necessarily bad but when I'm telling them I just I don't I don't think I sell it well enough I think it's just like very to me it's very obvious that like this is the bit that actually happened this is the bit that didn't happen to it in an attempt to make it funny and it just feels wrong so is it is it important to you when you're telling anecdotes that they are like how do they do they have to be based on truth and to what extent no so let's take the the teetotal joke for example yeah. Uh, which, which, if anyone is listening who doesn't know, yeah, it, I guess yeah, yeah. to basically talk about how my, my parents were very supportive when I came out as pansexual, they're very supportive when I came out as non-binary, genuinely devastated when yeah. I came out as teetotal. <laughs> um, it, it happened, uh, I, was, I was chatting with my mom uh, on about uh, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, it was actually with my mom, my family, my, sis, uh, my, family, my sister, my dad, uh, uh, we were all just hanging out on Christmas Eve up in Newcastle. Um, like my mum was drinking wine, my like we were all drinking like ciders or something like that. We were just having a nice family chat. That was the the 
night that I decided to, to tell them that I was eventually wanting to get on hormone replacement therapy. Because okay. I was like, listen, uh, I was, I was, I was a couple of, I was a couple of ciders in. I was feeling confident. I was like, hey, hey guys, uh, just, you know, blah 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 blah. And like they were, they were cool. They were understanding of it. They had a couple of questions, but like they, they like generally speaking, the conversation moved on fairly quickly, and not in like a hurried. Oh, let's talk about something else. Just in the so, sort of. Right, oh, well, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm satisfied yeah. with um, this. Yes, yeah. Uh, in fact, I think it, I think it was very particularly like uh, like like I was talking about it with my mum. Uh, and like explaining something in detail with my sister, like just like just went <gasps> and turned to my dad and just like, have you watched the new Brooklyn Nine Nine episode? By the way, like just, <laughs> just switched like that because it was just such, like she just she had something else she wanted to talk about and that was fine. Yeah. Um, but then like l later on, uh, when we'd all had a, when we were all a few a bit deeper in our cups, and I think I was starting to get a little bit of a of a headache or something, because like. Ciders, they make me sleepy, but uh, they also are quite bad for a hangover. Yeah. And I sort of thought one coming along. And I just mentioned this offhand, and uh, it's like, you know, I've been thinking recently about um, about just giving up, maybe it's my New Year's resolution, giving up alcohol. And my mum was like, what? And in that moment, I was like, mum, you had a stronger reaction just there to me. <laughs> and then when, I, then when I came out, she wanted to transition, and she was like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> like, she wasn't... Like she wasn't genuinely devastated, no. of course. My parents weren't genuinely no, devastated, no. but like, I, like that wasn't like me sort of sitting in in, in like a, a room writing desks and thinking, oh, hey, wouldn't it be funny to compare the reaction to one like revelation as opposed to another? That was me in the moment realizing, hang on, this happened and this was funny. Um, so so yeah, I do just take experiences that are real that in the moment I I realize are just. That's strange. I wonder if I can make it funny, or that's unusual. I wonder how I can get a joke out of it. Yeah, that seems like a really solid writing process. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it, maybe it, it, you know, when you don't do anything, it makes it hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this is the problem I have. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't go out and talk to people, or I don't go out and like have things happen to me that I'm stuck for writing music too. <laughs> um, I do try. Yeah. Uh, I do genuinely like. Uh, uh, I do try to write. Um, uh, stuff. I'll just sit down and I'll just bash stuff out about a subject. Um, yeah. Sometimes, uh, and this happened uh, quite recently. Um, I've started testing out some new material about Primark. Okay. Uh, it is. The, it is. It is. The, by and large, it is uh, observational and not anecdotal, and you can tell that by the fact that it's not very good. <laughs> um, but I was. Uh, I was just in Primark with Brendan. We were just doing some shopping, and I was just kind of like narrating the whole experience to myself. I do this a lot. I will sort of talk about stuff that's happening around me as if Eddie Izzard was telling it as a Yeah, as I, I do say. that a lot as well. I think it really annoys Chris. Um, well, I, I, I've, I've told you as much as I, I see a lot of it in your political correctness gone mad routine. Yeah. Like when you kick the. Like, it's political correctness and this time it's yeah. gone mad. Like I can see Eddie Izzard doing that. And like I'm so in, like incredibly jealous that you wrote that before <laughs> I did. Um, because, by the way, this is my yeah. uh, I, I, like I've been. Tempted to to kill you and steal your uh, your your uh, joke which is well, what non-binary non means is that well you're a bunch of ones and zeros I'm a fucking nine but like that is my favourite joke I think you... about gender and sexuality <laughs> and I'm so mad I didn't like it I'm, def I'm definitely putting out on something um... 
Well, because it, it's, yeah. it's fucking great. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I because I, I find that Eddie Izzard is like the, the easiest one where I can sort of I, I, channel sounds so pretentious. But yeah. that is that is I just sort of I even sort of affect the voice a little bit. I'm just, yeah, I'm just yeah. like, oh, uh, right in, uh, in prime up uh, and yeah. socks socks everywhere. miles of socks just it goes on for miles and stood in the queue for a hundred years. You're in the queue for a hundred years. And and you and you and there's just and there's all these DVDs of movies that no one cares about that are ten pounds each, no matter how the quality is. You build a city out of the DVD boxes, and you sit there and you have a, and you raise a family in the queue. Uh, and like, I'm like, I, I take, I take. Is that like, is, I, I was, is that is that the bit you're writing, or was that just off off the cuff? No, that is that is like that was me in the queue to Brendan. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and he's and, he, uh. and he was just he was just there with like his his jeans just being like, please, there's people around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's amazing you're like, still yes, together. Yes, there's people around. It just we, 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 these are all people now, Brendan. These people in the queue. <laughs> we are queue people. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> like and like so, I got home and I, I like took all of these bits and I I, I sort of just wrote them down at bullet points, and then I came, I left it for a couple of days and came back and tried to write them in my right, own yeah, voice yeah. and not, not in an Eddie Izzard voice. Yeah. Um, and, and then I put them to, like, uh, open mic nights and I, I tried. And, like, it, like they, there are bits that work, there are bits that don't work, yeah. there are bits that I, I, I think should work better than they do uh, that haven't gotten the response I want yet, and I am really bad at killing my darlings, so I'm not going to take them out <laughs> just yet. I'm going to wait till I get the reaction I want, and then I'll be like, yes, vindicated. Yeah, I was right all uh, along. The, ni- the, 90, the 99 wasted gigs don't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I found that to be a helpful process of just... Because I do have a background in improv as well, because yeah. of course I do. Um, <laughs> but I did, like, I did, I've done, like, uh, like, between the ages of 10 and 18, I was always in some local youth theatre programme. Yeah. Uh, doing improv or improv games or something. Yeah, yeah. And I absolutely adored Who's Line growing oh, up. Of course, yeah. Uh, both the, the UK and American versions. Uh, the one the, one of the few times where I've decided that the American version is better. Yeah, the American version um, definitely is better. But I think American improv generally, well, American TV improv anyway. Do you remember Argumental on Dave? I, I'm familiar with it, yeah, yeah. I, I love that show. It was really sad. It didn't last for very long. Um, but uh, that's besides the point. Yeah. Uh, that was the thing about panel shows. I mm. grew up on panel shows, uh, and and that definitely like. But I, I, it's weird growing up and getting more immersed into the into the comedy world and and sort of how it all works and, and knowing that like because uh, growing up I was like this is the end goal. Like I will do stand up so that eventually I can be on TV. Uh, and I've come to realise that no, you do the TV spots to sell tickets to your live shows. Yeah. Um, uh, which is like it was such a, a jarring like to it like is, that yeah. was what I had grown up under the assumption of was no you're trying to get on TV it's like no you're not you're trying to sell out like tours yeah. and you need to be on TV to do That's, that yeah you, you um, assume TV is the end goal but like comparatively I, I, from what I hear it doesn't it's not it's not particularly a sustainable career unless you're doing like regular spots uh, and, yeah, even, and yeah. even then like it's more of a supplemental thing like it's it's a lot of money but it's not. Like it's even, yeah, the even Dara O'Brien, yeah. who who has uh, you know a solid gig and has and has yeah. for like a decade yeah. at least, uh, who has like quite a few different ones now. Yeah, yeah, he's got, he's got yeah. quite a lot of presenting oh, yeah. roles oh, yeah. as well outside of not the week. But, yeah, it's like uh, if you want to present something in this country on TV, you need to either be Dara O'Brien or Jimmy Carr. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> or Mel and Sue. But uh, or Sandy Parker. Yeah. She was the chancellor of my university. Oh, she. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, she. Um, uh, and and uh, I actually got to very briefly talk to her uh, while I was the president of the comedy society. But by that point, she had moved more into 
uh, her, her spoken word, her books, her feminism, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and presenting. Uh, and so um, she wasn't, like, she said she would have been happy to talk to the Comedy Society, uh, happy to give a talk, uh, but I wasn't the president at the time when, uh, when like, that ah. discussion was happening, uh, and the president just never made that happen. And by the time I became the president, uh, she was too busy. Yeah. But that's all besides the point. What were we talking about? I've, I've yeah. completely forgotten as well. So yeah, so so improv improv is, is something that I use as sort of a launching pad to writing stuff. Yeah. Uh, if, if like if I, if something funny hasn't happened to me and I feel like I want to write something but I can't draw from any real world experience, I'll just sort of chat shit to myself for an hour until I uh, it, usually in Eddie Izzard's voice yeah. uh, until until, until I find something and, yeah. and go oh I can probably do something about yeah. that. I've recently just very recently started a, a writing technique which is just write for an hour about a subject yeah. and it does not need to be funny it just needs to be written down you, you, and yeah. then you can come back to it at a later date find whatever meager jokes you can pull them put them on a separate document come back a couple days later you now have some basic jokes to try and strengthen and and subvert and add on to yeah. and i found that to be quite quite helpful but i'm also very lazy and it's a lot of work so. that's, that's that's a really good idea because I, I always find when i'm writing stuff i it, it's much easier editing stuff you already have than it is writing completely new stuff so I think yeah. you know, writing the stuff without like without necessarily like trying to make it funny, just sort of writing a load of stuff out, you can is then easier to sort of identify potential jokes and then uh, work them into. Um, which is a thing I should definitely do more because I, I know this. I've tried this before, but again, I, yeah, I often can't be bothered. I'll start writing for two minutes, be like, this isn't funny. I give up. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was definitely like, um, it's a lot easier to write. Uh, when you already have the inspiration than it is to hunt down the inspiration. Exactly. Uh, like, yeah. it's so easy to write jokes about a topic, but if you don't even have the topic in mind, searching for the topics it's to write jokes really, about yeah. is... is it's really, I was really lucky in that uh, my topics were all, like, hand-gifted to me, like, oh, here's your gender, here's your sexuality, here's your baby. <laughs> I'm like, cool, I've got all these topics I can write about. Uh, so why the fuck am I spending two months writing about Primark? Uh, <laughs> Don't even shop there that much. That's a lie as well. My person Primark. <laughs> uh, Primark will wish. Yeah, um, the two genders. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. So are you a, are you a Primark or a wish? Uh, actually, I'm a next. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> are you? Oh, fabulous. Um, all right, let's start rounding up shortly because we've gone on for ooh, we've gone on for about forty minutes. Um, I want to quickly like address on the improv point though, because um, I want to talk about a bit about. Um, your, diff your, your different approaches to when you're just doing like a gig somewhere or when you're comparing because um, I feel like you do like, well certainly when you compare for us you, 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 you did do a lot more involved because you, you did a lot of crowd work uh, which was in incredible um, so is that something like I don't really know what my question is here I'm just kind of I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> no, 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 I'm kind of interested in your different like, like before gig how you prepare for, for like just a spot versus how you prepare for comparing a gig uh, I don't prepare for a spot. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I just don't. Yeah. Um, I, maybe I should. Maybe I'd be better <laughs> if I did. Um, That's the secret. Don't prepare. Yeah. For comparing, the difference is that I don't prepare, but then it's obvious. <laughs> like, like... You're a lot more transparent I, with it. Like. <laughs> yeah. I agree that I fucking killed it at Blizzard. But that was like... That was an outlier. I I do think my comparing is like my weakest comedy skill. It, it's something I do need to work on a lot. I, I think I'm a, a, ver, a very weak compare 
just sort of bluntly speaking. And I would like to get better at it, but in order to get better at it, I have to do it more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm bad at I'm bad at reading the energy of a room while also trying to think of the next thing to say. It's easy for me to read the energy of a room when I have like okay, I can go to this thing, this thing, or this thing next, which is like you know joke A, joke B, or joke C that I've already memorized. But when I have to read the energy of the room and then simultaneously decide where I should leap off next in the conversation, I can't do it quickly enough, and I sort of falter and and the sort of momentum stutters and then I panic and go into like full-on anxiety mode and just chat shit and usually that results to me just being mean to audience members which I don't like. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, the one thing Blizzard is, 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 is meant to not be doing. Yeah, and, and so thank god I had the, the one good show at yours. <laughs> I refuse uh, to yeah. believe that's the only good one. You, you're, you're an incredibly engaged performer and I feel like... I... Well, it's... I, I... Yeah, I, when I first started, I, I did my first bit of comparing back uh, when I was in university, when president of the Comedy Society, we had our, our own uh, night for like uh, three months. But it was like once a month, so we just did three nights. But then the venue decided that they didn't want to run it anymore, so it died. Yeah. But in those three nights, I, I compared. Uh, now, you can argue that I shouldn't have been doing that because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but also, I was the president of the comedy society, <laughs> and I wanted to do what about. I want. Yeah, uh, I, I, I wanted I wanted to get good at content. Yeah, um, it was something I hadn't really tried yet. And so, I uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to make each night memorable. I, you know, I, I wanted the audience to experience something that they weren't going to experience at, at any other comedy night, while also still uh, you know making sure that the comedians you know got to do their thing. Yeah. Um, but like, if I could find like a sort of under-running current, uh, a running joke of the night, blah, 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 blah. All these things that I think good compare should do, but um, like if I could sort of like weave together this night of in-jokes and you had to be there, isms and, and all yeah. that stuff, that would be wonderful. But what I realized uh, like when I was comparing later, and again, this is all the, the whole part of like becoming a person at university, was um, I was still making it about me. Like it was still about, like I was still hogging the attention. I wasn't, you know, dragging on and on and keeping the comedians waiting. No, no. But the problem was, I wasn't, I wasn't making it about the audience's yeah. enjoyment as much as I was trying to tell myself that it was. It was about making it so they would leave going, wasn't that compare really good? <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, now when I compare, I focus more on just making sure that the, that the crowd is warmed up for the acts, for the acts yeah. to enjoy. But then I feel like I, I, it suffers because I, I don't sort of, have any sort of uh, like running themes. I don't have any regular people I go back to. Again, the, the, the Blizzard one was an outlier where I, I sort of just really fucking found the balance. Yeah. I just need to find that balance when I compare in the future. Well, well, we, we, uh, between between, yeah. between uh, showcasing the other acts and filling the space in between with something that the audience can remember later on. Uh, yeah, I do think you absolutely nailed that. You are very in the room as well, which I assume comes from, well, uh, is related to your improv background you're, you're always very present in a room you're always sort of reacting off of stuff you're, you're reacting off of stuff you've said that you seem like you didn't expect you to say um, yeah that's just me that's just yeah. me realizing my, my mouth running faster than my brain yeah and, 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 that, and that, that, that that really works that's one, that's one of my favorite parts about uh, about you as an actor I, I, I don't I genuinely don't know whether this is a thing that you do intentionally or whether it's just who you are no um, it is just yeah, who it I really am. works you know Brendan can confirm the number of times I'll just be talking to him or the dog or myself and I'll just say some like there was a time when uh, I can't remember exactly what it was but um, I was I was chatting to him and we were doing a bit you know we were just 
chatting in voices and, and like you know how you do with, with partners you just sort of uh, chat shit to each other um and like i said something and then i said something like daft and that didn't make any sense and then i like stopped mid-sentence just went what like i was so disappointed in my brain for saying something so stupid like i was actually angry at myself for being so stupid not because i'd said anything dumb just because what i'd said didn't make any sense like i was just like blah 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 blah, blah, blah nonsense what why would i say ah oh. and then like i'll just i react to myself in real time i'm like i'm watching myself uh, on a movie screen, just being like, this character doesn't make any sense, and is and is irrational, and and is too far too illogical <laughs> to exist in any real world. Uh, boo, boo! The the writers are shit. <laughs> but, but 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 just towards your own brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really Fantastic. need I really need my my mouth to catch up with my brain. Oh, sorry, other yeah. way around, brain to oh, catch up with my yeah, mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly illustrates. Right. Um, I had quite a bit more I wanted to talk about, but I am very conscious of time, so I'm going to skip to the last question. Okay. Um, potentially, at some point in the future, maybe do another one uh, of these, because, uh, yeah, I had this, like, a whole... There's, there's I do ramble. I, I do about. talk about myself <laughs> no, 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 a lot, that, yeah. That, 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 that's, that's absolutely fine. That's, that's what, what I've come to expect. Like I said, I've done five of these. This has happened every time. But yeah. uh, I think this is possibly the longest it's gone on for. Uh, well, that's, 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 well, isn't that just typical? Because I've been eating a piss for half an hour. Also say, yeah, so I will will quickly do the last question, which is uh, much more straightforward than some of the other ones I've been asking. So what's the one bit of advice that stuck with you throughout your performance career? Now, this doesn't have to be strictly comedy advice from a comedian or a promoter, but sort of advice that you've applied to your comedy. Um, I I mean, I guess the most important one that I've learned is just fucking do more gigs. Uh, You can write, (laughs) like, you can, like, Everyone's, everyone who's ever given this advice has said it much more eloquently than I ever can, but it's always yeah. just, you know, you can write the funniest shit in the world, but until you put it in front of an audience and see whether or not it actually is funny, and what works yeah. and what doesn't, and you rework it a bunch of times, all you've got there is something that might make a good sketch, or it might make a good, you know, something written down, yeah. but you've not got, like, actual good stand-up comedy until you put it on the stage and see if it's good comedy or not. Uh, and and the only way that your comedy gets better is if you keep subjecting it to audiences and seeing what does and doesn't work. So, like any any other advice that I've gotten has been secondary to that because there's no amount of writing mm. advice or inspiration yeah, seeking yeah. advice that that will help you actually get better than just simply keep performing and see what works and what doesn't and how you evolve and grow. Solid. I like it. All right. I'll let you go for a piss now. I'm going to stop recording. You. Thank you very much for listening. Um, that was Umbi Winters. Like I say, absolutely fantastic uh, comedian. Definitely go check him out if you're not a fan already, although I'm assuming you are. Otherwise, it would have been fucking weird that you clicked on this uh, podcast. So, um, t- I, I've been, you know what, since starting these, I've been trying to avoid calling them podcasts because every fucker's doing a podcast at the minute. And I was like, right, the one thing I'm not going to do is do a podcast. But um, like the, more, the more I got through doing these interviews, I'm like, this is going to end up being a podcast, isn't it? So, yeah, it, it pretty much fucking is. Um, so yeah thank you thank you for listening to this uh if you would like to support blizzard comedy uh and if you'd like to indeed uh, be able to vote in future about which uh, w- w- uh which acts we, w- w- we talk to and which acts we uh, upload the interviews of uh, uh first um you can sign up to our patreon for as little as two dollars 
uh, a month, uh, which really helps us in this time of where there's essentially no work. So yeah, if you can afford to do that, we'd really appreciate that. You can also do one-off donations on PayPal, uh, and also I'd advise you to check out uh, not just us, but any uh, of the comedians we showcase uh, on, on YouTube. I'll put links to uh, various uh, uh, parts of Umbi Winter's online content uh, in, the, in the description of this. Uh, so please do check out and, and support the industry uh, at, this, at this difficult time if you are able to. Uh, if you're not able to financially support us, that's fine. Uh, I'll, like, it's a very difficult time for a lot of people. I'm in a quite a lucky position that I am still able to earn, whereas I know quite a lot of people aren't uh, so, so, so lucky in that sense. Um, so if you can't afford to uh, financially support us, but you do still want to help, uh, shout about us on social media, uh, link, 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 link to our YouTube, to our Podbean, to our, 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 our Patreon, uh, any of our platforms, um, and yeah, that would be really handy. Uh, I should really have rehearsed these bits before I did them, but I, I have not, so um, that's why you get this, shambles. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, uh, and I'll see you next time.